Hey everybody, Editing Zion here, just popping in at the top of the episode to clarify something. So, unfortunately, we had a bit of an issue with the audio for this episode. Nothing major, but I believe that it was recorded through the wrong source, so the audio quality is going to be lower than you're used to. I promise it's not too bad, but if you find it unbearable, I totally understand if you don't listen to this one. But at the same time, I highly encourage you to, because I think it's pretty funny and pretty interesting. Promises won't happen again, I will be extra sure to double and triple check the sources going forward. With that all out of the way... I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Welcome back to the It's a Classic Podcast. I'm your host, Zion Lashua, and today I am joined by my good friend, Sean Choi. Sean, say hi. I don't think they picked that up. Oh, that, that probably will. Good friend and what? And very, very special guest. Very good. Hi, I'm very, very <laughs> special guest, Sean Choi. Today we're going to be talking about Plato's The Apology. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that, like, nuts? I, like contributed in the intro <laughs> <laughs> anyway today like you said Sean, we're talking about plato and specifically the apology because that's like the follow-up to youth which we talked about last yeah, episode so what he so what plato did right was he uh he bought some advertising advertising time and he showed pictures of like ducks getting washed with like dove soap oh like, right yeah, yeah, we're yeah. sorry we spilled oil in the <laughs> Gulf of mexico i i was going the route i was gonna, i thought you were gonna go there like an apology like youtuber video oh like, my god put out, like <laughs> oh my god that's like so like, good guys, like, I just like I'm just I'm so sorry. I I never really meant to do it. It was just a joke, but then some people just took it. It got out of hand. It got out of hand, I, and I realized it's offensive. Also, today I'd like to thank NordVPN for sponsoring this video. <laughs> no, it's Henry Harry's. Harry's razors. Um, oh my God, can you do this entire episode as if it was a YouTuber apology video? Oh my God. I mean, it kind of is that way in that he takes no responsibility for his actions. Mm-hmm. Um. What's up, what's up, philosophy gang? Today we got something real serious to talk about. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the fact, like, was I corrupting the youth or not? It's all been up in the air, really. Um, so yeah, the yeah we're talking about the apology, and which really also just coincides with the death of Socrates. That's kind of what the apology kind of goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the end of Socrates' life, it's a classic. I mean, I think it's probably the most classic, classic we've talked about. Yeah, it's like about, very right? classic, yeah. Socrates, it opens kind of explaining that Socrates is addressing the 501 jurors in defense of himself. So it's not a tie. Because otherwise it could be 250 and 250, like 254, 250 against. Mm -hmm. Why like around 500? I think that's just because like... It's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. The assemblies were also like really big because like basically every Athenian male could participate and the jurors are like a selection of those Athenian, well, property owning Athenian male of a certain class. So it's just there's just a lot of people involved. So I think they mm-hmm. just like it's a lot of it's a lot of people and a lot of people that wanted to see Plato dead, Socrates dead, Socrates dead. Yes. So past Zion is mostly correct with his answer here. Hey everybody, editing Zion popping in to clarify something about the jury. So yeah, the jury is always a large number. The smallest example of an Athenian jury was 201 jurors, and of course, like Zion said, it's always uneven, offset by one, so that there can't be a tie. However, some of the higher examples are actually 2,001 jurors. And the reason that this was done was actually to make it really, really difficult to bribe the jury. Can you imagine how much money you'd need to bribe 2,001 people to swing your way? 
Or I guess you'd only need to bribe half, but, you know, still, that's a lot of money. Okay, now back to the show. Um, was it like a 500 and, 501 to 0? <laughs> Dude, we can't get there yet. Okay. It's like, that's, that's the end of this whole thing. <laughs> because, so, what the apology is, is, so, in Euthro, we, we talked about how he was, like, on his way to the courthouse for, like, an, like an initial kind of proceeding in this whole process. Mm-hmm. This is where, kind of at the end point, where... The accusers, Miletus, among others, there are others who are like on the Miletus' side. Doesn't have that much of a beard. Exactly, that's the one. You know, your, your beard's kind of your beard's gone. I shaved. Yeah, I got new razors in my electric razor. Ooh, Henry's razors? No, Harry's razors, Harry's. man. Harriet's. <laughs> also, no. Um, but they've already spoken. They've already like given their speech like against Socrates. Okay, so this is just his defense. This is just his defense. We don't actually so have their accusations. Oh, we don't know what they said. No. I mean, we can kind of infer what they said based on what he says, like, in response, mm-hmm. but not any specifics, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, the, and the reason that we know this is because in this text, Socrates, like, lays out, is like, oh, okay, so, like, the, my accusers have already spoken, and they did great. Like, he goes in, and it's like, oh, they were really good speakers. I don't know about you, but, like, I was almost convinced that, like, I'm the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, like, nothing what they said was true. That's, like, the sad part. He's like, he's like, they're really good speakers, but sadly, they were, like, lying to you. Um... And especially, but isn't wasn't that like a huge thing though? Mm-hmm. Like in Greek politics, it was more about like oration and like what's the rhetoric. Rhetoric. It was big, but that's actually kind of the accusations that they're levying against Socrates. Mm-hmm. They're saying like one of the things they go into is that they say that Socrates can make a weaker argument defeat a stronger one, and that's like an injustice, like in the and like in like in the rules of morality. Kind of if you're like, in a way, almost like if you're caught. Kind of, right? Because everyone kind of uses rhetoric. They obviously did to try to convince the jurors, mm-hmm. but they're accusing Socrates of teaching people rhetoric. How to use rhetoric. Yeah, basically. That's that's crazy. Yeah, so, like, they're saying that, like, oh, he can make a weaker argument defeat a stronger one by using, like, tricks of, like, speech. What are your... what? Are, I'm, I don't know what my thoughts are on rhetoric. I like it because it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it is sometimes can feel a bit, like, uh... Deceptive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't necessarily like it. Because when we were in, like... Like, I just... It just feels like... If you have to re- result in, like, tricking people into believing your thing, then, like, how strong was that thing mm. to begin with? How, like, right was it? And I think that's kind of what Miletus yeah. and the, the accusers are saying. Mm-hmm. Which isn't necessarily... So, it isn't necessarily an accurate portrayal. Because, and a lot of, kind of, what Socrates addresses, too, is in Aristophanes' The Clouds, which is a play, Socrates is a central character, and he's, like, parodied. So, they're almost kind of addressing the parody of Socrates that exists in that play. Mm. Like, the parody of Socrates definitely does that. Like, he teaches people how to, like, wiggle their way out of arguments and make their mm-hmm. themselves appear more correct than they actually are. But the Socrates that we know in the text, anyway, doesn't really... Like we've said before, he doesn't really argue anything. He's he just annoyed. He's, he's just, just annoyed. Contrarian... He's well actually personified. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't necessarily... I think that they're doing this because the general population of Athens, their main exposure to Socrates has been probably talking to people who didn't like him and seeing that play because everyone saw that play mm-hmm. and it talks about how he like lies and is stupid Socrates, it makes fun of him it like Socrates, i've been lying about it in the media yeah, yeah. The news. <laughs> exactly and that's kind of what it was uh-huh. uh and yeah I, I think i'll probably do an episode on the clouds at some point because like i think aristophanes is pretty funny um and the jokes about socrates are funny but i'm also kind of like but i like socrates so mm-hmm. i feel like a little sad about it mm-hmm. um it's like when there's like YouTube beef between two YouTubers and they say something bad about the YouTuber you like, and you're yeah, like, no, I don't like, like you. <laughs> like I, I once liked you, but now I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says like, oh, the main thing that they lied about, my accusers, is that I'm a good speaker. They mm-hmm. said they warned you to be careful of me deceiving you, mm-hmm. but really like, you know what would really sound? I'm not a good speaker. If you like but... stuttered the entire time, yeah, he was <laughs> just like they, really... they said 
that um, um uh, oh god where was uh, it oh man uh, <laughs> <laughs> um he says like unless they mean that like being a good speaker means telling the truth in that case i'm the best mm-hmm. and i'm like ooh, 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 ooh. anyway getting started um he says like I'm, i'll defend myself but i want you all to remember i'm 70 years old so we get his age here which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like pretty much at the end of yeah. it anyway. So yeah, yeah like ex- that's that's kind of an argument he gives later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seven years old and I never learned like how to like properly speak in the way that you should in front of a crowd, like an a, a, like an assembly like this. Oh, all he's saying is like, so forgive me if I use like the language suitable like for when you're talking with your friends. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just being like, I'm gonna be more casual with you mm-hmm. all, and I'm sorry, I'm seventy years old. Like, deal with it. Um, so the, he dresses the charge. He says these men, my accusers, they're formidable for sure. They've been spreading rumors about me for years, saying that I'm tricky and can make a weaker argument defeat the stronger one. Uh, they also say that because I question the world around us, I do not believe in the gods. Uh, and many of you have encountered these rumors when you were children. And so it goes, like, there's actually, like, a footnote kind of in the version that I'm reading. And then I went and looked at it and it talks about how after the Peloponnesian War against Sparta, they lost a lot of, like, they're, like, middle-aged to, like, old, like, they lost a lot of men in general. Mm-hmm. So the people who had to step into the assembly were, like, the ones who were kids during the war, so they didn't go off and fight. Oh. So a lot of the people who are jurors for Socrates are, like, young, young men. So how, what is, like, the age cutoff of, like, being a warrior and participating in wars? And, like, like how old do you have to be to not go? Or how yeah. young do you have to be to not, I guess, both? Yeah. Um, I would imagine, like, it's, 20s to 30s? It's pretty young. I think <clears> even, <throat> like, as young as, like... Like, 16. Like, 16 or something. Like, mm-hmm. when you, like... Because you start training really young, and then, like, I think once you get to, like... Um, it says like once they've reached manhood, and I think that that was younger than I think that we would than, than like we would think of it today. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's younger than eighteen. And then as for old, I also think it's sooner than we would think. I also like we don't necessarily know that Socrates was seventy years old because that's pretty old. Mm-hmm. But that's just like the number that we have. Um, but I, I think there are probably sources for that that I can look up. So I might come in and after and like say specific ages that we know. But I don't know. It's like I think a pretty wide range of people who went off to war. Yeah. Editing Zion coming in to clarify that we do have some specific ages about the age of Athenian military members. So actually, Zion was a bit off about when someone would enter the military. It actually goes around to around 17 or 18, pretty similar to what we would think of today. However, one thing that past Zion didn't know was that the minimum age in order to enter into the council and the juries in ancient Athens was actually 30. So a lot older than what we may have been thinking, but definitely still young to Socrates, which is why he's making these remarks. All right, back to the show. Um, and so all, all that he's saying is that, like, what, he, what he's getting at here is these people that he's addressing probably grew up already kind of indoctrinated with the idea that he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's almost kind of, like, couching his argument a bit. He's like, and so I only have this much time to try to convince you the otherwise, so... So it was a t- it's a timed... All court, all, like, law proceeding, all, all cases in Athens have to be done in a day. Oh, that's so, a long time. Yeah. It, yeah, like, it is. But he, I guess he's saying that, like, even though, like, I have, like a day that still might be not enough to address a, a, is, a belief that's like is been... the case one day or is each argument a day this fi- this is like the final case and so it's the same day that he spoke after his accusers like his accusers spoke then he speaks mm-hmm. they vote that's the end okay that's the end of the day and that's the end of the trial so you could filibuster if you were the first person to go you could just talk for an entire day and the next person oh like, no defense yeah no <laughs> yeah, defense. yeah yeah the other thing is he says there was like three people who spoke against him mm-hmm. so we assume that most of the day might be gone mm-hmm. because if people spoke as much as Socrates three times, and that's, like, more mm-hmm. time. Um, so all he's saying is that, like, uh, many of you have accepted these rumors when you were children. You, you like, you think this by default. Um, but I'm going to try to, like, to defend you. And I'm going to try to defend myself anyway. Try to convince you otherwise anyway. Okay, sorry. One more interruption. That's fine. Um, 
would there be a reason why people have like like was there a political motivation motivation of wanting to kill Socrates besides him just being annoying? Like, did he have political power that people wanted to get rid of? Or no, not really. He actually he goes into this a bit later as well. He avoided politics for the most part. He okay. was in the assembly when he was young. I guess I should stop asking questions because keep saying it's going to be addressed later. <laughs> a little bit. Um, he he was in the assembly when he was young, but then he just like stopped doing politics and he goes into the fact that it's like. I couldn't do the thing that I like, which is, like, to examine people and talk about this stuff if I was in politics. Because then, like, I have to be worried about, like, being popular. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to worry about being popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like the other girls. I don't care about... <laughs> exactly. I just... I care about annoying them. Mm-hmm. There was a bit... I think people didn't like him because... So, after the Peloponnesian War, the Spartans put in tyrants to control Athens because they were their enemy, right? So they basically, like, instilled a government in Athens. Um, and I think that that was the 30 tyrants. Mm-hmm. They basically placed a bunch oh, of people... Oh, so there's leftover regret... Resentment against his lover Alcibiades. It's like when people target <laughs> Michelle Obama. Right. A little that, and then also the fact that like Socrates was like, yeah, they were kind of treating him as a bit like a scapegoat, like a bit like a just a target to focus on to represent kind of the old tyrant government of Sparta. Because mm-hmm. I think he was forced to like do like certain political actions when he was working under them, mm-hmm. and so then people are like, oh, like he's bad. We should get rid yeah. of him. Mm-hmm. So we can scapegoat, so we can so... move on to the new yeah. kind of era of Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be the only political motivation. A lot of it though was that like people. He's just like the oldest guy there, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's, let's kill him. The the main idea is that he's just like annoying. Everyone that was annoyed with him is like, let's mm-hmm. just kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Past Zion touched on this, but editing Zion will come in to complete the picture. There was definitely some political motivation, and there's definitely a close association between Socrates and the Thirty Tyrants. One of the biggest nails in his coffin in terms of association was that one of the Thirty Tyrants, whose name was Critias, was actually one of Socrates' students. That can't look good. In addition, the Thirty Tyrants were ruthless and killed basically everybody who opposed their rule. And Socrates remained in Athens and obviously did not die then, so he was complicit with their rule. He does say sometimes that he opposed certain things that they did by not actively participating, but he didn't actively oppose it either. All this is to say, this association was enough for him to become a definite scapegoat. All right, back to the show. So then he he specifically says, like, what the charges levied against him are. So, like, the quote is, Socrates is committing an injustice in that he inquires into things below the earth and in the sky and makes the weaker argument defeat the stronger and teaches others to follow his example. So he's kind of, like, quoting something that Miletus said against him, and he's going to, like, break it down. Sorry, just one, like, with with their obsession of, like, weak not being the Beating strong, mm. were their army tactics just like just just go at them like no tactics. That's that's underhanded. That's, that is underhanded. Uh, no, they did the they did the Salix, you know, with the lines. But to be fair, I guess all Greek city states did the same tactic. Of oh, just it's like, like it's like when people say like capitalism breeds innovation, and then one company <laughs> the does innovation. Like, yeah, well, yeah, and then one company like makes a fidget spinner, and then suddenly there's ninety billion yeah. companies making. So I don't spinners. know. I don't remember which Greek city state like figured out the phalanx formation mm-hmm. first, but eventually that's kind of what all the Greeks were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked when they were all using it against the Persian. All right, who invented the phalanx? It's a it's never a clear answer. Editing Zion here to clarify. So first of all, this sort of fighting formation of interlocking shields with long spears poking between them is not unique to ancient Greece. There's examples of it in ancient Sumeria as well as Egypt. Now the hoplite phalanx was potentially developed in Sparta around 7th or the 8th century BCE. However, this only would have been possible after the development of the aspis, which is the shield that was employed during this method. And that shield was developed in Argos. As technology developed, so did the phalanx. So it's a bit difficult to give credit to a single city-state. All right, back to the show. So Socrates first, he addressed, he's like, I'm not a professional teacher, and I've met others that, like, charge for teaching, but I've never done so. That was another charge that was levied. It's like, he's, like, making people pay him to teach them how to make the weaker argument defeat the stronger one. Um, so the first thing he does is, like, no, they didn't pay me. Mm-hmm. 
I just do this for fun. <laughs> um, and then you, he says to the people, like, you may ask, like, how did I get this reputation for, like, being a corrupter of the youth, all these kind of things? <laughs> well, I had a friend once in my youth named Chirophon. Oh, I thought he was going to bring up Alcibiades. No, that would be sick. <laughs> I'd be, like, so pogged. Uh, and he went to the Oracle of Delphi and asked a question. Uh, he's, he asked the Oracle, is there anyone wiser than Socrates? And the Oracle said, no, there's no one wiser than Socrates. Uh, and then I was like, I don't believe this. Like, I can't believe there's no one wiser than me. So I went to find someone who is wiser than me. Uh, so first I, I interviewed a politician. Surely the people recognize he was wisdom, so he must have been wise. So I, go, I, went, I went and talked to him. Um, but I found that he was not at all wise. He thought he knew so much more than he actually did know. And the key is that, like, I know that I, that I don't know anything. I know that I am ignorant for most things. So that means that I know, like, one thing. But this guy thinks he knows things, so he doesn't even know anything. Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's like... Yeah, like, wisdom is knowing what you don't know? Yeah. Is that what he... Is that that's basically what he's saying. Okay. Um, and so he then he tried to point this out to the politician. He was like, no, you don't actually, like, know what you're talking about. And then everyone didn't like him for that. So that was, like, the first instance of people, like, disliking him for, like, being annoying. Um, and then he, he was walking away. He realized, oh, like, I am wiser than this man, I guess, because I'm aware of my ignorance. Um... So I guess the Oracle's right so far. But surely, 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 there's someone out there who is wiser than me, who knows their ignorance. Um, so then he kept doing this. So whenever he goes to talk to people, he's trying to, like, at least his story is that he's like, mm -hmm. I'm just doing, like, trying to make sure that the Oracle was right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just doing my my heavenly duty that's, of proving that I'm the smartest boy in the universe. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he says. Um, <laughs> he kept doing this over and over. He also, at one point, uses, like, the word dog as a swear, which I thought was kind of funny. That's what I call people in League of Legends when they do you bad. dog? Yeah, you dog. <laughs> He just uses that at one point. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Um, and it became more and more unpopular, mm -hmm. slowly, because he kept doing this. Uh, he realized, it's like, oh, hey, wait, like, I should, like, talk to the poets. Maybe they know what they're talking about. And he's like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. I should, do, oh, I should go talk to the craftsmen. Um, and he realized, like, with the poets and the craftsmen, that they might be proficient in one thing. They'd be, they'd be good at their craft. Mm -hmm. But then that would lead them to think that they're proficient in other things. And that also just wasn't true. Um, so the results of this interrogation is that He's like, people assume that when I disprove someone's wisdom, that I'm claiming to know, like... What they don't know. What they don't know and what they know. Mm -hmm. But I don't claim that. I just claim that they... Don't know what they think they know. Yeah. And also, I don't know it either. Mm -hmm. Like, he, like he's saying that people assume that because I do this, they think that I am wise. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. I'm just trying to find someone who's wiser than me. So that's, like, his defense. Um, that's kind of fun, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and he's, he literally says, I'm simply doing the work of the gods... <laughs> Ensuring that the prophecy is correct, or to see if the god if the gods were wrong, which they probably wouldn't be, but like, what mm -hmm. if they were? Um, and some sure, like some youths, they follow me around, they hang out with me. Um, That's just because I'm a cool kid, and I'm like one of them, man. Yeah, right. And plus, they like getting, they like seeing people get dunked on. Like, mm -hmm. who can blame them? That's why people follow Wendy's on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they really care about the spicy chicken sandwich combo for five dollars coming back? No. They no. want to see someone insult Wendy's and Wendy's clap back. True. Because if if uh, if there's anything that we should know, it's that corporations are people and we should treat them like them. Mm. They're uh, our friends. Corporations are our friends. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too political on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that Greek philosophy is inherently political. So mm -hmm. that's okay. We, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really connect in yeah, the corporation so, 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 avenue. So then Socrates went up and said, all right, let me start explaining about how um, the bourgeoisie is ignorant of the plights of the working class mm. and that profits are the are the, are the stolen wages yeah. of proletariat. Yeah. He's like, oh, young people follow me around. They like watching people get dunked on. Mm -hmm. Who can blame them? 
Um, and then the youths, yeah, they, they'll observe that I dunk on people. Mm-hmm. Then, sure, they'll go and dunk on people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, like, tell them to do that. Mm-hmm. They just do that because they realize that, like, someone's ignorant. And they're trying cool. to, like, yeah. And they want to feel good. Exactly. It makes you feel like you're better than them. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're Wendy's. Um, then the donkeys, they get upset. And then they're enraged at me for teaching the youths to dunk them. Um, but then if you ask them, it's like, well, what did Socrates, like, teach? They would just be like, I, I don't know. The, he's corrupting the youth and he improper things about the earth and sky. Hot take is Wendy's the new Soc- Socrates. <laughs> Wendy's is like is hell before court. The Wendy, the girl. <laughs> the Wendy. The she's Wendy. alive. She is. Yeah, she's, she's a, a real girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, oh, I thought know, she was fake, like the Colonel. No, the, you know, you know Dave. Like you know, on the Wendy's when you Dave single and stuff like that. Like there's a girl called Dave I've single. I've not been or, to Wendy's in so long. Dude, Wendy's so good. Dave's lemonade as well. Anyway, Dave is the founder. His daughter's name is. So basically, he's saying that like people would rather just be mad at me for like being dunked on rather than like consider why they were dunked on. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to rethink their stance. They're just like, I'm mad at Socrates because I feel stupid. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel made fun of. Um, and they'd rather do this and then admit that maybe they were like, maybe they realized something wrong with their argument or something. But they'd rather just be mad about it instead mm-hmm. of like realizing, oh, maybe I was, maybe I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, okay, so now that I've addressed like the general like issues that people have with me, let's like address some some more specifics. Um, he he also couches it again. He's like, I doubt I can shake you of your beliefs you've held for so long, but I'm gonna try. Um, so Miletus says that I'm guilty of corrupting minds of the young and of believing in supernatural things of my own invention instead of the gods recognized by the state. So, and he's like, let me just like, let me just talk to Miletus and let me expose him. So we get into like the format of Euthyphro where it's just like Miletus agreeing to a bunch of things Socrates says and then getting dunked on. That's like what, that's all of Socratic dialogues. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's adding Miletus right now. Yeah. So he's like, Miletus, do you think it's super important? to expose the youth to the best possible influences. And, like, who or what would that, like, be? Like, um, and then Miletus responds. He's like, well, yes, I believe that they should be exposed to the best things. And the best thing is obviously the laws of, like, the state of Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sarkis is like, hey, it'll, whose business is the laws? And then he's like, oh, well, the gentleman of the jury right here. That's what Miletus responds with. Um, and then Sarkis is like, okay, and also, like, the counselors and the members of the assembly, and they're all good influences, right? All those people. And Miletus is like, yeah, of course. He's like, He's like, yeah. And also, they, like, asterisk, Socrates was a member of the assembly earlier in his life. So, like, Miletus is also just saying, like, yeah, you were a good influence then, but, like, mm-hmm. not now. Um, and so then Socrates is like, so, like, basically, what you're saying is all of Athens is a good influence, except me. And Miletus is like, yes, I am saying that. Um, and so then Socrates is like, okay, but, like, and then he goes back to, like, he loves these metaphors, man. He's like, okay, so the horse, the horse trainer. Um, you're saying that... Or a horse tender? A horse tender. You're saying that everyone would be like a good, like, good at tending the horse, and then only one person out of like the whole of the population would be bad at tending the horse. Is that what you're saying? Um, he's like, yeah. So he's just like, That's okay, not a very good metaphor. No, it's kind of weird. Um, he's like, this is just like so unlikely. So the reverse must actually be true. That like in general, people aren't an expert at a thing, and they're not good at making that thing better, except for one. And it's more likely, I think what he's saying is, like, it's less likely, or it's more likely that one person is good at something and everyone else is, like, kind of okay or bad at it, mm-hmm. versus everyone is good at something and only one person is bad at it. Sure. I think that's what he's saying. That makes sense. He's just saying, like, the odds of it being that I am the only bad influence in all of Athens is, mm-hmm. is astronomical. Um, so he's not really taking down that he's a bad influence, but he's saying, Have like... Have you Euthyphro, that clown? <laughs> he's like, there's no way he knows what he's talking there's about. There's no way he's a good influence. <laughs> um, so he's moving on. Is it better to live in a good or a bad community? Uh, surely bad people do the most harm to those they're in close contact with. 
and good people are the same. And he says, oh, so also no one prefers harm over goodness, right? Like no one would want to be harmed. Unless. This or kink, you're right. Or sub, yes. Yeah, yeah, addressed. Mm-hmm. No, right. not oh, really. Okay. <laughs> Imagine, no. <laughs> like, Melissa's like, actually, I have an objection actually, to that. Actually, I like being tied up and being told I'm a, I'm a bad little boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like someone in, like, the jury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're also saying that I am doing this corrupting abuse intentionally, right? And Melissa, basically, every question that Socrates asked Melissa is like, yeah, I'm saying that. Um, he's like, so, if so, I am intentionally impacting those closest to me. Which would obviously bring harm back on myself, because if I'm bringing hard, if I'm bringing harm to them, corrupting them, making them bad, then they would also make me bad by the association of like two people being together, cause harm to each other. So, because I'm then turning them wicked, that would bring harm on me, which runs counter to the fact that no one would bring harm on themselves. Kind of. I hate this. You see what I'm like? No, this is dumb. You can see what he's saying, but it doesn't actually really address the argument of no the thing. Yeah. Um, but it does work within the, the, like, bounds of what Socrates has set up in previous works about, like, the most logical, the most, I think the problem with this is he, he, like, if he inserted the thing, like, the most logical person would never cause harm to themselves or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what he's operating under, that everyone is the most logical person, which is not true. But, like, he's, I think what he, that's, like, kind of the problem with his arguments is often they hinge on that fact that. He, he, whenever he creates a statement like this, right, of course no one would do this, right, and then mm-hmm. someone agrees with him, they're always assuming that it's, like, the most logical person, whereas, like, most right. of the time that's not the case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you keep that in mind, then technically he's right here, because, like, kind of, right? Like, if, if the most logical person would never want to cause harm to themselves by then corrupting people near them, which would bring harm back on themselves because bad people cause harm to each other if they're in close proximity, then they'd be causing harm to themselves, but... The person would have to, like, recognize that that would be the outcome of what they're doing, and then not do it. Which most people wouldn't recognize. I vote for his death. Yeah, you're already, like, you're already on <laughs> I'm there. I'm done. I'm already caught in that first stone. Yeah, that red, that black rock is, is, is in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he said, and if I do this, then if I, if I do this, then I'm, like, ignorant and stupid, because I did not, like, have the foresight of recognizing this would bring harm back to me. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then I'm in the wrong place. Because you don't execute stupid people. You just, like, laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So, like, he's saying that, like, if this is the case, then I am then I shouldn't be here. It's not a crime to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, like, goes on to continue questioning Melitus. He says, like, so you say I'm teaching youth about, like, new gods and unrecognized things. Um, rectangles. Like the god of rectangles. Uh, so which is it? Do I disbelieve in gods, or am I teaching them about different ones? And this argument is a bit like, did you ever see, or did I ever tell you about the movie God's Not Dead? Yes. It's a bit like that. Whereas, for, for the listeners, the movie God's Not Dead is basically about... It's like Christian propaganda. Yeah. It's a college student. The, the synopsis real quick. It's a college student, right, who's very religious, goes to a philosophy class of some kind in college, and is like... The professor's like... Just like, like needlessly... Athe- atheist because his wife died or something? It's needlessly a jerk about it, yeah. yeah. In the beginning of class, he's like, we won't get any meaningful discussion done if we talk about God or religion or anything. Mm-hmm. So I need everybody to write down, God is dead on a piece of paper and pass it forward. And then the kid's like, I refuse. And everyone's like, <gasps> or whatever. And then he's like, okay, if you can convince me that God is real in three class periods, then you win, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't... And then at the end of the thing, right, like... Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. The professor does die. Spoilers but... for God's Not Dead, by the way. <laughs> it's not good. Don't watch it. There's a sequel too. There's three sequels. You're there's right. God's right. Not Dead two and three. Yeah. So the 
the gist of it is that at the end, yeah, his wife had died in a car accident or something, and mm-hmm. so then he's like mad at God. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the, the climax movie is like, um, how can you be mad at God if he doesn't exist? Exactly. That's really, the, that's the end. Yeah, that, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then the professor dies. And then and then Hillsong plays and it goes, God's not <laughs> dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. <laughs> and then as he's dying, he's like dying, and then a priest comes over. He's like, Do you want last rites? He's like. And that's like the end of the movie. And he goes to heaven. And he goes to heaven, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit like that, where so he's like, if 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 I am teaching my new gods, then surely I must acknowledge. I, that God I believe exists. that God exists. Like, so he's basically, which is it? Do I not believe in yeah. gods, or am I teaching my new gods? Like, well, you're teaching my new gods. Like, oh well, then how do I teach about something that I don't believe in, mm-hmm. or something? That's basically. So that's kind of what he does here. But like, that doesn't make any sense because the blasphemy could still be he's teaching about about, gods. about new gods. Yeah, yeah. Is, um. <laughs> so. Miletus then says, you disbelieve in gods altogether. Like he's like, do, am I teaching about new gods, or do I not believe in them? It's like, oh, you don't believe in them at all. Um, he's like, so you say I don't believe that the sun and the moon are gods? Um, and then Miletus is like, jury, listen to me. He claims that the sun is a stone, and the moon is just a massive earth. Um, I mean, he's half right. Yeah, also he doesn't claim that. So, so I- this dude knew that, this dude just randomly like made up something that the that the moon was a part of the earth? And he got oh. it right. Another dude. This name was Anaxa- Anaxagoras, mm-hmm. another like philosopher from before Socrates' mm-hmm. time. And Socrates points it. I was like, dude, I never said that. That's Anaxagoras. You're that. You got the wrong dude. Mm-hmm. So he also just like clowned on him for like being wrong about something that doesn't really relate. It's crazy that Socrates knew who exactly said this claim. Yeah. He also like, at least in the way that it's written, it seems like this was Socrates' plan mm-hmm. was to like trick him into saying that mm-hmm. <laughs> into attributing something that a different philosopher said instead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also says, also, if we agree that one believes in supernatural matters, then they believe in supernatural beings. And I teach about supernatural matters, so I must believe in supernatural beings, which are the gods. Supernatural matters as in, like, justice and... It doesn't necessarily, like, he's not addressing that, because in the accusation that Miletus says, it says he teaches about supernatural matters. Okay. So he's going back to the original accusation, saying, well, if I teach about supernatural matters, mm-hmm. then I must believe in beings, because what's a matter without being? supernatural, where the brothers should kiss. They definitely should kiss. They definitely should kiss. Did they kiss? Did the show end them with The them? show ended, no, it didn't end okay. with them kissing. It ended with one of them dying. Oh. Spoilers for Supernatural. <laughs> wow, we're spoiling God's Not Dead and Supernatural. I only watched... Two very religious shows. <laughs> I, only the, of I only watched the first season of Supernatural, and then I watched, like... God's people... Not Dead 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> I've only seen the first God's Not Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it when I was in Confirmation. I think... Oh. And, and even at the time... Mm-hmm. I even watched... when you were in church, you are like, this I was is watching stupid. this, I was like... Mm. That's not... Like, I, I recognize a bit, like, mm-hmm. what you're doing with Star right here. I'm like, that doesn't doesn't address the argument that God is real or not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like... Because the, the guy didn't never not believe in God. I think in God's anyway. Not Dead too. like, a teacher says, like, the words, like, she talks about God in the classroom, and then she gets sued by the court of Alabama. And then he comes to defend her? Oh, God? <laughs> the kid! The college student! Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, can I... I call God to the stand. Oh, my God. It's, like, kind of like that scene in, like, that Christmas movie where she, like, calls him, like, Santa oh, or yeah, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dude, that's not... Don't... <laughs> don't you dare say anything bad about Miracle at 34th <laughs> Okay, and then editing's not gonna come in and, and talk about God's Not Dead 3, because... Oh! It's about a girl that wears a hijab, and, like, she's... And one girl's like, I wish you didn't have to wear that. You're so pretty. That's like one scene. Whack. Like, definite, yeah. definite whack energy. But I don't remember the. I don't remember the overall plot. I think it's like a girl is abused by her Islamic dad because if if, if anything, everyone knows that the Islam mm. the Islamic people are the bad guys. Yeah, they can't like make it nuanced. They have yeah. to like make them. It's very heavy. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
No kidding. <laughs> when are, the only Christmas... They can't even lift their hands. They're so heavy. The, the only bit... Could God create a hand so heavy that even he couldn't lift it? <laughs> okay. Okay. The I answer. might have talked way too much about God's Not Dead, but that joke right there, we have to leave all that in because that was such a good payoff. So Sean is actually pretty spot on with his summary of God's Not Dead 2. However, God's Not Dead 3, A Light in the Darkness, is definitely all over the place. It involves a lawsuit about a church on a college campus. The church catches on fire. Someone throws a brick through the church. People die. It's a whole big thing. And there's actually another God's Not Dead coming out this October, which is called God's Not Dead, We the People. Which the title already gives me a bit of qualms about what it may contain. All right. Back to the show. Yeah, all he says is like, since you say I teach about supernatural beings, then I must teach about or supernatural matters. How can I teach about teach about supernatural matters without acknowledging there are supernatural beings? Mm-hmm. The argu- then he he makes a bunch. There's a bunch of steps I'm skipping, but they're not really that important. He's saying that like, are the and what supernatural beings could there be except gods? Because we believe anyway. Like so, it's mm-hmm. kind of like he gets there to the end, and that's the end of that. Um, he goes on to say. It's unfortunate that he didn't want to be a part of politics because he'd be a very good politician, no? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, <clears throat> and he says, you may ask me, do I regret pursuing an activity that's led to my death? Um, like the corrupting of the youth, the teaching, the kind of the, mm-hmm. the pursuit of the wiser man. Um, and I say that once a man has taken a stand, he does not think of death. Mm-hmm. Like look at Achilles, and he talks about Achilles a bit. Like once... It's like a dude couldn't stand because his heel was sliced. True. And then he... Yeah, Achilles is, is pretty cool. I like Achilles. But, I don't know anything about Achilles. Yeah, like, that's the problem. You, you, you know, they're problematic sometimes. Really? Well. Was he gay? Yeah. Theocles? Patroclus. Patroclus. Yes. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, but the, the, don't worry. The Iliad will definitely get an episode at some point. Isn't the Iliad very long? Yeah, yeah, But, like, we can tell the not Iliad. necessarily, not, like, essentially long. There's a we lot of just it. just cut out all the sex scenes with, with, <laughs> with Patroclus. Well, there's, like, thousands of lines that are just describing things. Mm-hmm. Like, the ships look like this, and they look like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The plot of it is not actually very long. Um, so, he says, like, I stand in this position, as I did in war years ago. Because he mentioned, because Socrates went off to war a couple times. We know this from the Alcibiades episode. Um, the only knowledge that I have over anyone is that I know that we do not know what awaits us in Hades. Like, so the afterlife. He's like, we don't know what's, we don't know what's there. Um, if you acquitted me and told me to stop practicing philosophy, I would say, I owe more to God, to gods, than you. And I would continue practicing. Because his practicing of philosophy is in service of the gods trying to find the wiser person, right? Little known fact. Mm. Um, Socrates on the battlefield, he wouldn't, like, stab them and kill them. He'd be like... What makes something pious? And they're like, I'm just out of they're here. Like, you and know they what? kill themselves. <laughs> and they just take the spear. And they just run themselves through. <laughs> but the spear's like too long. And they're like, I can't turn it around. <laughs> um, and so then he says, I am actually the greatest blessing to ever come to the city. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like this, the apology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I urge you to think not of your bodies or wealth, but of your souls. And of that I have like enriched. Um, Wealth does not bring goodness. Goodness brings both wealth and every other blessing to both mm-hmm. the individual and to the state. Mm-hmm. And that's all I've ever proclaimed. And if that's bad, then lock me up or whatever, right? Like, that's kind of what he's saying. Um, he's like, I think the gods have sent me to the city of Athens, which has become lazy and sleeps its, its time away. And I am like a fly, annoying, like, I'm a fly and the city is like a, a sleeping horse. And the fly, and I'm a fly just, like, buzzing around you, annoying you to make you wake up and, like, galvanize you to action, to do something. And if that something is killing me, then I guess so be it. <laughs> um, 
and I did this in service of the city, never for a fee and never for like enjoyment. Although he must have enjoyed it a little bit. I mean, come on. Um, what if he just hated it? He's like woke up every day. He's like, oh, I gotta go, go, go dunk on people in the streets. <laughs> yeah, imagine he's like like antisocial. And he's just like, oh my god, no, I don't want to go talk to anybody. <laughs> um, and he said, why didn't I engage in politics? Because some you, some of you might say that the best way for me to like change the city would have been to be in politics. Um, well, sometimes I get these like voices in my head that tell me like not to do things. He's schizophrenic. He, I don't, maybe like, this is a weird addition. <laughs> like he's like, I get these voices in my head and the voice always like cautions me not to do things. It doesn't ever tell me to do things. It only like warn sometimes me. Sometimes I see him and it's like in the shape of a cricket, which is really weird. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, he talked about how he has this voice. And so like he recounts a couple times when he opposed the actions of like the government and he was like under the 30 tyrants, he was like supposed to go do something. And then he's like, the, he says the voice cautioned me and I, and I didn't do it. Like I didn't go arrest the man that I was supposed to go arrest. Um, and surely he said, I would not have lived as long as I have if I did engage in politics. Like someone would kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, and then he goes on, he's addressing like, why do people like to hang around me? Well, like I said, they like the dunking. Yeah. But like, why else? Um, like, and they love to hang out with me. And if I was like corrupting them and giving them like false advice and leading them astray, surely like some of them would have come out to denounce me. Right? Like, I've never taught you, Melitas, or you, like, your, my other accusers, but I've taught so many other people here. And then he calls out, like, 12 names of people, like, in the audience and the, among the jurors. He's like, I've taught you and, you and you and you, and none of you have ever, like, raised any, like, qualms against my teachings. So, like, what's up with that? And also, like, teaching is a bit of a broad mm-hmm. term, right? He just kind of does his thing and people hang out mm-hmm. around him. Um, so he calls out dozens of, like, tons of names of followers, like, in, his, in the audience and asks, and asks anything. He's like, and if so, step up now and, like, voice your concerns. And none of them do. Um, and so then he, he addresses like, okay. And then he's like, so this part of the proceedings would normally be when the accused would like beg for their life. Cause most of the time that's what they do. Um, someone appear before you and like, say they have like present their families and cry and be like, Oh, let me like raise my kids or whatever. Um, he's like, I will not do this. Even though my I love is dead. Even though I do have children. I have three, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Are they like notable in like. Greek history at all? They have na- we have their names, but no, not really. <clears throat> really, not as notable. So yeah, like past Zion said, Socrates did have three sons, and they were mostly irrelevant. But we do have their names. Their names were Menexenus, Lamprocles, and Sophroniscus. They were all still children at the time of Socrates' execution, and according to Aristotle, Socrates' descendants all turned out to be quote fools and dullards. So I guess maybe according to Socrates' wishes, they were probably pestered constantly by his students. All right, back to past Zion and past Sean to finish up the show. But it, he says, it basically, he says, it would be an embarrassment for me to stoop to, like, these lows of begging and groveling before you. Um, furthermore, like, it would not be just for me to do this because that would be appealing to your emotions rather than to your logic. Um, rather, I will simply present the facts of the case and let you make your decision. And that's, like, what he, he's claimed, that's at least what he claims to be doing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is, I'm the greatest thing to ever bless this planet. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Uh, that it is now that the jury cast their votes. Oh, yeah. So okay. he's this is that's the end of his like first speech. There's a speech after the yeah, a little, little, little bit more. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll explain when it gets to it. Um, so the jury cast its votes, and it says that Socrates was only convicted by thirty votes out of the five hundred one. That's crazy. So basically, like two hundred eighty one to like two twenty, like something around there, right? Oh, you did that math real fast. I wrote it down, but yeah. Did you use a calculator? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. And then in court proceedings, the way it is generally done, that if the person is found guilty, the default sentence is death. But shouldn't they have like a major 
you know, like a large majority, like 60%, you know, like yeah, in I US admit, politics. I mean, maybe. that might be 60%. Just one, I don't know. But no, they, they yeah. just, they need, like, it could have come down to, like, one vote, and mm-hmm. it still would have, like, that's why they got the 501, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so normally, at this point in the court proceedings, the accused would then, like, ask for a different sentence. Mm-hmm. They would try to ask for something other than death. And mm-hmm. most of the time, people ask for, like, exile. They expect him, anyway, to ask for a different, and most of the time, people ask for exile. And people would be okay with that. And most of the time, yeah. If he asked for exile here, they would have granted it. So, Socrates does, like, a quick dunking, real quick, mm-hmm. um, saying, it's like, oh, it's interesting that it took three of my accusers to gain only, like, 30 more votes than me, or something. He's basically saying, me as one man gained the 220 votes. It took mm-hmm. three of them to gain 281. So, he's basically like, ah, oh, you know, it's just a, it's a bit of a commentary on how good they are at speaking, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he says, essentially, is like, oh, Miletus would have needed, if it was just Miletus, he would have had to speak, like, five times or something mm-hmm. to get this amount. Um, which isn't, like, a good look, <laughs> but it's funny. Um... He says, Miletus has put forth the punishment of death. And then 280 people stood up and changed their vote to black. <laughs> <laughs> he put, Miletus has put forth the punishment of death. Um, well, what could I propose instead? Uh, what do I deserve for what I've done? Well, what I did was try to convince all of you to think more of advantage than of well-being. And for that, I think I deserve a reward. Um, so, instead, so he's saying, I, here's what I think I deserve for what I've done. Um, and what is the best reward for a poor man? A pass to the a pass to the Pritanium, which is a dining hall where Olympians would obtain free meals. Uh-huh. So he's saying, I deserve... Yes, I'm guilty, and my sentence is luxury. Is free lunch. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Because when you, when you like, won as an Olympian, the actual prize is just straight up to the laurels mm-hmm. that you wear on your head. But then there's a lot of benefits that you get when you return home. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, like, this, like, free lunch thing. He's like, and I'm poor. I can't afford food, so... Is he poor? Not really. The Olympians, really, they just give you, like, the illusion of victory. You didn't win anything. But I give you, like, reality. Like, nothing I give you is false. I give you, like, the the knowledge to go forward and obtain real victories or whatever. And you may say I'm being stubborn, but I am simply being honest. Um, And if I truly believe that I have done no harm, then I deserve no punishment. So he's saying, like, if I truly believe what I said earlier, I couldn't give you another punishment. Because I don't deserve it. Because in my head, I've done nothing wrong. He's a slave to his logic, just like anybody else is in his arguments. Um, and then, and I could suggest banishment or exile, which I'm sure you would accept. But surely, wherever I go, like this would just happen again, mm-hmm. and I'd just be back where I am now, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is 100 percent true. Yeah. Um, and then he said, and I would offer a fine. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Socrates in in, in Sparta? Oh God! <laughs> like he just walks up, starts questioning people, being like, "Do you really think that we need to like do the whole ago gay thing? Like, mm-hmm. what is strength anyway?" <laughs> they stab him. That's strength. That's strength. <laughs> yeah. Um, he said, "I could offer a fine, but I could only pay like a hundred drachma or something, which is like not a lot." Mm-hmm. Um, then, like as he's saying this, Plato, Crito, Critoulus, and Apollodorus—these like some of his followers who are in the audience, not in the jury, but they're just like at the court—they're like, "Oh, we'll pay three thousand drachma fine mm-hmm. if like he can live." Um, and Socrates hears them and is like, well, if you want, you could accept that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, he wouldn't have been punished at all then mm-hmm. because his friends are just paying right, <laughs> his right. fine. Right. Uh-huh. So like, um, so after he does this little like pseudo speech of like defending himself and trying mm-hmm. to get another thing, now it's a full two thirds of the jury agree that he should die. <laughs> so like, I didn't know you could change your vote. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause you could vote for the alternate sentence that he offered. So that means that a third of them actually voted to give him the free lunch, I guess. 
<laughs> which is still pretty impressive, actually. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, oh, man. And then after that, after they find out that, then he goes, he does another little, like, thing. He mm-hmm. says, like, well, you may say I've been condemned because of a lack of argument, but really I'm condemned because I refuse to grovel and beg and play your game. Which is, like, kind of true, this I guess. This is like, you can't fire me, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather die as a result of this defense than to live as a result of the other sort. Uh, and he's like, and now I'm, I'm, getting a, I'm getting a sense of prophecy now that I'm so close to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, and soon you shall all face repercussions for this from those younger and stronger than I. Basically what he's saying is, like, Athens will fall to ruin because of what you're doing today. Um, if you want people to stop condemning your way of life, then live with goodness rather than killing your accusers. Which is what, like, he's saying that, like, all he tried to do was, like, help them live with goodness. Mm-hmm. And instead question of... themselves. And yeah, then... and instead of doing that, they're just killing the person who's mm-hmm. criticizing them. Yeah. Um, and then Socrates is like, okay, so those of you who voted to acquit me. First of all, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally... You're the real ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this close to the free lunch, man. Can I give him some finger guns. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, man. Um, normally I am cautioned by this voice of prophecy. But I don't hear it all this time. So that means that, like, this is a blessing and this is what I should be doing. Because normally I would hear that voice telling me, oh, do something different. But it didn't. And then he's saying, death is one of two things. It's either annihilation or a migration. So, like, some other form of, like, being. If it's annihilation, then it's a blessing. <laughs> I feel that, brother. <laughs> For if one was to ask someone whether they preferred a good night's sleep to a tumultuous day or a terrorist night, then one would pick the good night's sleep. Um... And while sleeping, it's often hard to tell how much time has passed. So to, to one sleeping, an eternity could feel like a single night. He's just, like, arguing for the benefits of, like, yeah. not, non-existing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, and if it's migration, then I shall find, I'll free myself of my accusers here and meet true jurors, like Minos, Radamanthus, and others. Like, the, the, the ones who judge you, like, in the, after, in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and wouldn't everyone want to meet, like, Homer? Dude, what if this guy was so good at speaking, he convinced all 500 people to kill themselves? <laughs> They're like, yo, that's not sick. <laughs> um, he's like, and wouldn't everyone want to meet Homer? And he see it in Orpheus. He's just mentioning a bunch of, like, famous, like, people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wouldn't you want to meet him? And, like, if it's a migration, then I'm going to get to meet him. That's pretty sick. Um, the company of all these great figures would mean an eternity of happiness. Plus, I could, like, annoy them for all eternity. Hey, Orpheus, um, why'd you turn around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, he says, and I would interrogate, and I would interrogate them just as I did those of you here on Earth. Um, and then he like he has a couple final words: nothing in life or death can harm a good man. All of you will die someday too, so remember this. Uh, I hold no ill will towards my accusers, but I will ask one favor of all of you: when my sons have grown, if they place money before enlightenment, then plague them as I have plagued you. <laughs> if they are cocky and overconfident, then scold them as I have scolded you. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "Well, now it is my time to be off." Me to die and you to live, but which of us has the happier prospect is unknown except for the gods. Mm-hmm. See, I'll see you next time, philosopher gang. <laughs> yeah, and then he, then, he, then he sides off, and then he like turns off his computer, and then he never logs back in. Oh, tragic. Yeah, but yeah, that's the end of the apology. That was really good. I like the apology a lot. It's fun, in a weird way. <sighs> Just the more I learn about Socrates, the more I really like him and intensely dislike him. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the vibe, man. Like I really like Socrates, mm-hmm. but. God, do I also hate him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I would hate talking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you he couldn't, would... you couldn't just have a normal conversation with the dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd be like, how's the weather? He's like, mm. but like, what is weather. what is weather? What is the pleasure anyway? Like, yeah. you may obtain pleasure while on a sunny day, but mm-hmm. is that pleasure true pleasure, or is it just the illusion of pleasure 
given to you, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're like, dude, I just was like, you know what this is like? This is mm-hmm. like in high school when I was like really caught up on the fact that free will doesn't exist and I sure. just keep bringing it up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, should we order the spicy chicken sandwich or the four for four? What is choice anyway? Yeah, choice. choice is an illusion. We're all just, we're all just like meat, meat computers following our programming. So mm-hmm. whatever we choose ultimately has already been chosen. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he's saying too. Like I yeah. would have like, this is my destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the apology. This is relevant because last episode I looked up what apology means in Greek, and it just means a speech in defense of oneself. Mm-hmm. That's what he did here. He didn't apologize for anything. He didn't really defend himself. He's like, I should get free lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't defend his actions. He just said, the act- these actions I've taken are just, mm-hmm. and you're wrong for saying that they are not. Mm-hmm. And also, like, how can you how can you be mad at God who doesn't exist? Mm-hmm. God's not dead. He's surely <laughs> alive. He's living on the inside. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. Um, what's the lesson that? Okay, what's the lesson that we can take away from all this? Okay, hold on, dude, hold on. Before you like, before you go on, I'm realizing that almost like the format of what we're doing is a bit like a VeggieTales episode. What do you mean? <laughs> like the beginning of the VeggieTales episode, Bob and Larry show up mm-hmm. and they goof and gaff for a bit, and then like God's like, let me tell you, or Bob's like, let me tell you a story, mm-hmm. and then at the end they're like, and what lesson did we learn today? <laughs> and then the are com- you Larry or are you Bob? I guess I'm Bob, but I don't. No, but I you like have like Larry. the demeanor of Larry. Yeah, but like Larry doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, and in yeah. the context of this podcast, I'm Bob. So, so role wise, you're Bob, but personality wise, you're yeah, Larry. Yeah, I'm the essence of Larry, but here on what Earth, am I'm I? Bob. Am I the smart asparagus? <laughs> I don't remember the asparagus name. Richard. His kid's name is Junior. Is his name Richard? Maybe he starts with Ar- Archibald. That sounds right. Anyway, what lesson can we learn from the apology? Um. This is what. Mm. Here's the lesson that we can take away from the apology. Yeah. Is that feelings don't care about your facts. Don't present logical arguments. Just appeal to pathos and then you'll survive. Yeah, if Socrates had done that, then he would have he would have. If he that. cried and was like <laughs> he cried and was like, guys, I'm so sorry for what I did. <laughs> and uh buy my merch, buy like my gummies, like buy it, my hair gummies. Like and subscribe, please. Like, comment, and subscribe. Please. <laughs> yeah, and they would have been like, you know what? I will like and subscribe. Yeah. I will like this this white rock right into mm-hmm. that. That thing, and then you'll live. Make sure to hit that bell icon with your right with your white rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, but to be fair, some some Christian rock does slap. I think all Christian rock slaps. Well, yeah, I mean, take. all Christian rock is like a C G F A chord, like mm-hmm. progression, mm-hmm. and that's just, just like a, that's just a good pleasing. chord progression. Yeah, it's, it's nice. good. That's the secret chord that like pleased the Lord. <laughs> that's why all Christian rock is like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one that David... I think I think Hallelujah is also a CGAF chord <laughs> progression. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, don't forget to uh, take your shots and uh, check your balls for once. Oh, true, ball talk. You're yeah. back again. Yeah, and you know, COVID shot. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. Not your not not, not like your not, ball not, not like vodka shot. shots. Oh, oh, we were like on completely. We're not even on the same book. No, I was, <laughs> I was the balls on the head, man. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. It's a Classic Podcast is available everywhere you get your podcasts, from Spotify to Stitcher to Apple Podcasts. And hey, if you're listening on any of those platforms, why not leave a review? I'd love to hear what you have to say. We're at itsa.classicpod on Instagram and at itsaclassicpods on Twitter. The intro and outro music is by Michael Picton. Bye again, and keep it classic.